Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What's good, y'all, and welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week, buddy? Uh, uh, hi, friends. I almost forgot to hi, friends. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm feeling okay. Uh, I just unlocked a new level of married, which is always fun. I, I, and which level is that? Please, and I I know, but please enlighten our listeners as well, to the level of married you are. Well, we were prepping for and, and recording this podcast, which means I'm tethered to my computer for like you know ninety minutes, two hours, five hours, however long it takes. And Too long. My my wife is <laughs> my wife is out, you know, doing errands. She's at like Home Depot, as, as she is the man of the house. So. Uh, I I wanted I wanted some I wanted some TB, Taco Bell, not tuberculosis, and I so I I got to just text my wife and go, babe, can you uh can can you can you get me some Taco Bell, and and she said yes because uh, you know be, being married, you 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 have to you have to say yes to things like that. I mean, I don't think you have to. Oh no, you do. Your wife is absolutely kind. Of I do. To do that I you. do. Christine is a saint. She doesn't, but I do. But she, thankfully, thankfully, she agreed to this. Yeah, they have like the they have the uh the, like the volcano sauce is back. Yeah, I I love so much that they got like Paris Hilton doing the advertisement for this. Notably, like, whose catchphrase is "That's hot." Yes, Par- Paris Hilton. Joke. Paris Hilton, the Taco Bell spokesperson. Yeah. Um. I, I do you do you believe do, did that ta- that Paris Hilton has ever eaten Taco Bell in her life? Oh, for sure. I think everyone's I think everyone's eaten Taco Bell. Really? My my yes. wife hates Taco Bell. My wife would never never. But she's eaten it. I don't think so. How does she hate? Why does she hate it then? If she hasn't eaten it before, the the, the very concept I think, is appalling I think every, to her. I think everyone has tried Taco Bell. I don't. I don't think she has. That's. That's absurd. There's no way we need to we need to confirm this with your wife to be <laughs> sure. But I feel like I feel like, well, may, maybe aside from your wife, if someone told me that they had never had Taco Bell in their entire life, I would not trust them inherently. Do, do you think, you know, rest in peace, that the queen had eaten Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like the queen probably not only ate Taco Bell. I feel like the queen probably had a favorite order at Taco Bell. I feel I, like the queen the queen probably threw back like multiple cheesy gordita crunches, dude. For sure. I feel like she was a chalupa lass. A chalupa a chalupa lass for sure. 
Oh, God. <laughs> the queen of all people want to pull. Uh, R.I.P. Anyways, uh, this is a fantasy baseball podcast. <laughs> uh, we talk about uh, deep league players. Uh, Shrebsy, we got some deep dives at the top of the show here. How about you kick it off for us with one? Oh, God, you're talking about a Met, obviously. Uh, Tommy Pham. Man, I, you, you can attest to this. Coming into the season, I was a major, major Tommy Pham hater. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's definitely a tweet out there uh, uh, of me making some kind of like jokes about Tommy Pham when the Mets signed him and whatnot because I just I didn't like his vibe. I didn't like his production. But yeah, and you were a fan of him. Like, yeah, to th- I mean, three- for what he was, yeah. Yeah, like, was. Like, I thought it, I thought he was gonna be a good fit for the Mets. Three months ago, between the two of us, you were the fam guy, and I was the guy saying that he's never going to be fantasy relevant this year because he's just never gonna play. Like not on the, not on a team with Nimmo, Marte, Canna, um, Darren Ruff was still a Met at this point. Vogelbach, like they had the DH spot locked down. Yeah, uh, Escobar, Beatty, like all, all these guys clogging up the the spots that fam might play well all, all it took for fam to become relevant was for uh starling Marte, mark Hanna, eduardo escobar and daniel vogelbach to all crater at the exact same time and for pete alonso to hit the il for only the second time in his career and for fam uh who has a 94 wrc plus in his last 1300 plate appearances uh he had to hit better than he has since 2018 just just you know those three simple things had to happen and and fam was in business and just, if, hit, just hit like the like the perfect like seven leg parlay my to man get tommy fam playing time it, uh, if anyone anyone says that they saw all of those things coming they're a liar uh but un- unrelated to fam I mentioned Alonso hitting the IL for the second time ever. Would you believe that playing for this cursed franchise, like in the last few years, Alonso has been involved in car wrecks where his car flipped multiple times. He has the sixth most hit by pitches in baseball since he joined the league. Do you know he's only been on the IL twice in his career and he's only missed like 20 days total? He's quite literally built different. It's insane. I can can say this because I've stood right next to him. He's built like a tank. And, like, he wants to be out there on the field so bad all the time that it has somehow negated the team-wide malaise that leads to, like, the Mets' underperformance and injuries and whatever other bad things happen to Mets players. It's just one of the reasons he's my favorite player for the last few years. Do do you remember a spring training thing a few years back where Josh Reddick was running to first base and there there was a wayward throw to first base and... Reddick ran straight into Pete Alonso and got laid out just completely laid out yes like, like a like Vividly. a toddler like a toddler running into a brick wall uh enjoy that visual but yeah uh Tommy fam I I bring up toddlers often uh, on this I feel like once a week I bring up a toddler in relation to something whether whether it's someone flailing at baseballs or running into a wall uh but yeah Tommy fam uh all of those ridiculous unpredictable things did happen all at the same time so here we are fam has now started 19 straight games and in those 19 games he has hit 310 with a 364 obp and a 493 slug 
with two home runs, four stolen bases, and 22 runs in RBI over 19 games, which will play in pretty much any league size. Uh, Since the start of June, I personally, I've added him to everything from NL-only leagues to 12-team, three outfielder leagues. He's been that good. Uh, on, On top of playing every day lately, he's also been hitting fifth and sixth, which means he gets to hit after Nimmo, Lindor, Alonso, you know, the, the only consistent players in the Mets lineup, which is a pretty nice RBI spot. Everything he's doing has been completely backed up by the inputs. And, like, this is the rare player who is outperforming expectations by a large margin, but he's also getting unlucky. Usually dudes that overperform expectations by this much are getting lucky, but it that doesn't really look like the case here. Only four qualified batters this year have a higher average exit velo than FAM. Only seven batters have a higher average exit velo on fly balls and line drives, the best kind of batted ball. He's top 25 in barrels per plate appearance and barrels per batted ball event, top 25 in hard hit percentage, and eighth in the league in hard hit per swing. He's earned every bit of his production so far, and and then some, really. Uh... Every single one of his X stats is outperforming its results-based twin. Like, he, he's just been unreal. Now, is it sustainable? Probably not, because he's never been this good before, and he's 35. Uh, th- there was a story going around in April about Fam getting new contact lenses to help offset his keratoconus. Keratoconus? Kazoon type. Thank you. Uh it's a it's a vision problem. It's like a thinning of the cornea, and it's yeah. a problem that has been plaguing him for years. And supposedly, he got his contact lenses tweaked back in April, and that has been the catalyst for his improved play. He is saying that he's never seen the ball better. And you know, it's kind of kind of important, a little little bit important, to be able to see when you're playing baseball. I, I think, as it's, it turns out, yes, when you when you have milliseconds to react to a small pill being thrown at you 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 it helps to be able to see it but uh the the craziest thing i think about his production this year is that he is killing off-speed stuff something that he could never really say before like he's literally had one year in his career where he hit off-speed stuff well like if and when he hits one more home run off of a breaking pitch it would tie his career high for a season and he's only 192 plate appearances into this season. He always hits fastballs pretty well, so if he can continue to see the ball well, see spin well, and hit breakers, he might actually be able to have a strong season even at 35 and and finish out the year strong. It has to be said uh, when we're talking about Mets and, and old Mets that if the Mets keep doing what they're doing, Fam is likely trade bait which could either do wonders for his value or completely tank it. Like, if if Pham could continue to hit like this and find himself with full-time plate appearances in, like, Houston, he would be, like, must-roster in every league. Or, or like, if, if he wound up on the Yankees. Like, because so, <laughs> right, right now, the Yankees' corner outfielders are Jake Bowers and uh, Billy McKinney. Like Bowling McKilly, yeah, as it were. If Fam could wind up with everyday plate appearances in one on one of those teams, 
he would suddenly be really, really interesting for fantasy. Jordan and I had a, a good bit of fun last night trying to figure out some good landing spots for fam. And there are really, there, there's quite a few out there thanks to injuries and whatnot. Yeah, there's enough competing teams out there that would be interested in his services. Because like right now, the Mets are how many games back? <laughs> a lot. Enough sorry, that I've, sorry to remind you. But enough, enough that I've stopped paying attention. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously if they go on a run and they start to play a bit better then maybe there's a chance that they hang on to him because he has been such a boon. Um, that said, yeah, I could definitely see them using him as a trade chip. Oh, uh, like if, if, if things don't improve over the next two weeks, it's he's, I'd be stunned. Absolutely stunned. If he was still on the team in August. Yeah. Um, but gosh, there, there is one bit of rain on the fan parade for me. And that is that fam does not hit fly balls like ever. He never really has. It's always kind of like that's just always been his batted ball distribution. And that's always limited his home run output. He's got like a I I think it's a career high of like 25 home runs in spite of pretty prodigious power. He is currently fifth percentile in the league in fly ball rate at 22 percent. And that is close to a career low. Thankfully, he is hitting the ball so hard that even with barely any fly balls, he's still getting enough over the fence for it to matter. But I I wouldn't really count on him clearing 20 home runs this year, even if he does play every day from here on out. Uh, His his batted ball profile just doesn't really support that kind of production. Can he go 15-15 or like 18-18? I think easy, easily, with plenty of counting stats and a decent batting average to go with it. But and like five category production from someone that no one saw coming is a huge boon to any fantasy team. If he's still out there and you're iffy about one of your outfielders, I'd say grab him immediately. Like I, I've added him to at least, oh God, I want to say four teams. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that he's still as available as he has been because like it's not like this is like he played a bunch for a week and then fell back off. He's been at it for two and a half weeks. Yeah, he's just, just been on. a reg- just regular contributor, been in the lineup every single day. And like you said, like that lineup spot specifically in that lineup, like obviously the Mets have left things to be desired in different aspects. Like the every record's not great. Yes, aspect. I know. I, I know you understand this better than anyone, but uh, that's still like some excellent bats right mm-hmm. ahead of him in that order. There's plenty of opportunity for RBI for sure. Um, but like yeah the the playing time really started coming when alonso got hurt but like watching the games and watching him play every day and hearing the announcers everyone's been talking about how well he's been hitting for like a couple of months now like it's been so surprising like how well he's done and it's been such a stark contrast to the rest of the team and how poorly a, a lot of the other mets have been hitting like fam has just been standing out for a while now like just i i know we we say this about players uh pretty frequently but like just go take a look at their pitcher list player page or their baseball savant player page he's hitting he's like he's just doing incredibly well yeah he's been really really impressive um again i was i i was i would say probably amongst the folks that we typically talk to most frequently, I was probably the highest person on fam. Like that's not to say that I was thinking he was going to be this good, but I thought people were 
sleeping on him a bit more. And I thought that there was at least some encouraging stuff to see there. So I'm glad that he is uh, showing out. And there's actually some bright spot for you to look at as a Mets fan right now. For another couple weeks. I'm really excited for like the the 20th ranked uh, Yankees prospect that we get back for him in in a couple weeks. (laughs) Oh, gosh. To be a Mets fan. I mean, I'm also struggling right now as a Brewers fan, but we can talk about that later. Uh, All right. Uh, We'll be right back with another deep dive right after this ad break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. So since Schwebzy covered a hitter, I wanted to cover a pitcher this week. Pitching is like incredibly thin Yeah. right now. This is the only person that really interested me, but I do think that this is someone that could provide some decent value for the rest of the season. Uh, there are some questions involved with rostering someone like this, basically like innings limits are kind of looming. Uh, role is a bit up in the air, depending on who comes off the IL uh, and slots back in the rotation. But I really like Cutter Crawford. So I'm, I'm you... so glad you're talking about Crawford, like, cause Crawford is, is someone that you and I have both been calling out for what weeks now, yeah, maybe a weeks. month. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time I've really, really like dug in. And like tried to figure out like why is he so like why why is he so promising this year compared to previous years? And like this is a rotation with a ton of like fun young arms, like Tanner Houck. Obviously, I hope he's recovering well from that facial fracture. I think he just had successful surgery on it in the past couple of days. Um, and then Brian Bayo, also pretty exciting young pit- pitcher there in Boston. But honestly, it feels like Crawford kind of got lost in the mix, and he might have the most interesting arsenal and most upside of that bunch. Um, He started off the year on a really rough note. In his first start, he gave up seven earned runs to the Pirates. Uh, But since then, he's got a 3.02 ERA over 47.2 innings pitch between starts and bulk relief appearances. Um, There's a lot to be excited about with his repertoire and particularly his fastball. And I realize I'm now kind of on a kick of talking about guys with really, really dope fastballs. Like, obviously, after covering Brian Wu last week um, and now covering... Crawford this week are, so are we sick of underwhelming fastballs finally we might be like I feel like we went through a phase of like early in the season we talked about guys like Josiah Gray it's like we should this guy's got a really dope breaking ball and his fastball sucks he should throw that slider like 30 to 40 percent of the time and now we're like hey these guys have really really good fastballs um but like under the hood Cutter Crawford's always had like a solid fastball from like an input perspective so he's got like 94 95 mile an hour velocity with really high spin and an excellent level of spin efficiency so it makes it like a very saucy fastball uh one of the best in the league it's only given up a 162 batting average against this year which is excellent um 
even though the inputs aren't that much different in terms of like spin rate, uh, spin efficiency, the same pitch allowed an average north of 300 last year. So what gives, like what changed that made it so much better? Well, if you look at the heat maps on his fastball, on his four-seamer from last year, he was living like right in the heart of the zone all the time with the pitch, like bright red, just above middle, middle. Um, not the best spot. Those spin efficient fastballs like his find way more success when they live at the top and just above the zone. Uh, and he's improved that location this season. It's looking like very, very dominant. So it's very exciting to see in that regard. Um, also, while it might seem kind of negligible, he actually has even more ride on his fastball this season due to a slight increase in his spin rate. So he actually is just throwing a better fastball in general. Um, there's also the changes he made to his repertoire. So at the start of the season, he was throwing a slider. It seems like he's transitioned to throwing a sweeper midseason to neutralize right-handed hitters. It's got a 182 batting average against. He's only thrown it against right-handed hitters. Uh, it's giving up soft contact galore, so that's always awesome. Um, I'm curious to see if there's a reason that he hasn't thrown it at all to left-handed hitters. Uh, but the usage of it is right around just it's like just over 10% on the season, but he threw an 18.1% uh, of the time in his last start against the White Sox. Uh, to a tune of a 35% CSW, so super encouraging numbers there. I'm curious to see if he continues that trend and continues using that pitch more. Um, he also completely eliminated the changeup that he was throwing last year. It was his most thrown off-speed pitch last year uh, and leaned into a splitter that he started throwing last year very briefly. Uh, it's something that seems kind of common amongst the Red Sox staff, like Tanner Houck also throws a split change. Um the results on the pitch have been pretty mad. It's giving up a pretty decent average. Uh, I'm thinking this is mostly a location issue. He's not quite getting it down enough. It's kind of finding like the lower middle part of the zone too much. So I think with some better location on that, he could see better results. Um, I think the big issue with Crawford and what kind of limits his upside is that you have guys like Tanner Houck, who obviously, like, after the facial fracture from the line drive that he took off the face, and then Chris Sale uh, working his way back from injury, Corey Kluber, who just went on the IL, um, who had been bumped to the bullpen after pitching pretty poorly. These guys are eventually going to come off the IL, and it's going to cause a little bit of crowdedness in that rotation. Um, I don't think Kluber comes back and ends up in the rotation personally, just because he has not been super good. Um, but with Sale and Hauk eventually returning, there might be an odd man out here. Um, if the Sox decide to not do a six-man rotation, I think that Crawford deserves a spot over someone like Garrett Whit Garrett Whitlock, who's been pretty middling in terms of results so far this year. Um, and as I stated earlier too, the other issue with uh, Cutter Crawford is that there is a potential innings limit. So he only threw about 100 innings uh, in 2022 between AAA and the majors. So we can reasonably expect that he'll be capped on how many innings he throws this year, probably around like 140 ish, 150 maybe. Um, that said, that is another plus that he has on Garrett Whitlock, who only pitched around 80 innings last season between three levels, and he will likely be on a shorter leash. Um, all in all, I really think that Cutter Crawford has like a really, really insanely good fastball. Is locating it really, really well. Uh, he's got a newly emerging weapon in that sweeper to neutralize right-handed hitters uh, and complementing repertoire pieces that make him a valuable starting pitcher in 15-team leagues. I think he's like borderline 12-team rosterable. 
and streamable for sure. Um, I think all he's really missing is a solid piece to nail down lefties. And maybe if he starts locating that change or that splitter a little bit better, uh, he could see some better results. Nice. You know, I'm a big fan of Cutter Crawford. I've, I've got him in a, a, at least a couple leagues myself. I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do going forward. Yeah, he's been... I mean, okay, so two things that I forgot to mention, too. He's got a cutter and a curveball that he throws. Those are his, like, second and third most used pitches. The cutter was supposed to be the thing that he threw against left-handed hitters to challenge them. It's got, like, a 370 batting average against this year. It's not been good. He hasn't located it super well. Um, I don't know if that is the answer against lefties. Uh, the curveball, on the other hand, I think, like, while it has given up a, a higher batting average than he probably would like, uh, it is a very, very reliable pitch to throw strikes. I think he's got like a 68 or 69% uh, strike percentage on the pitch. So his curveball, it's not really a swing and miss pitch. It's more of a called strike, like dump it in there for a strike pitch um, is good to have. Um, I'm just curious if he's going to, I, I really want to see if he starts leaning into using that sweeper against lefties in any capacity, because he hasn't thrown a single one yet. Well, now, I, I could be wrong here, but I feel like I recall reading that you don't want to throw... Like, like sliders are kind of okay opposite-handed, but sure. you don't really want to throw sweepers opposite-handed. Maybe maybe I've got that wrong, but I feel like I read that at some point. I feel like I don't know who that was from. Was that... Who wrote, who wrote the article for on sweepers? No. Or well, pitcher well, list? We'll have oh, to gosh. look into it. We don't not have the time being, to go. Not being company men right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, he needs something to neutralize left-handed hitters because he's kind of getting crushed. Do, so. you, do you think that he throws the cutter out of like a sense of duty because of his name? Uh, probably. Also, that's like one of the only uh, Easter eggs on the entire pitcher list site is if you go to Cutter Crawford's pitcher list page. Uh, it's listed as a cutter with a K instead of a C. What do you think he would do if he wasn't a pitcher? Like, if he wasn't a Major League Baseball player with a name like Cutter Crawford, what what can you do? Uh, professional wrestler. wrestler um, lumberjack. Ooh, that's, that's good. I think those would be good ones. Um, what else? Uh, landscape architect. Cutting grass. Um, yeah. Something like that. He would be a groundskeeper. That's what he would be. Perfect. No notes. Cool. Uh, all right. We're going to get to our lead wide roundup right after another ad break. All right. And we are back. Schwabzi, let's kick it off with the NL East. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with Colby Allard. Uh, just came back first start of the year for the for Atlanta. Went and struck out eight. Inexplicably. The Braves, the Braves can't keep getting I, away with this. I'm so dude, sick of it. I'm dude, so I, sick of it. I don't get it, man. Baseball is very dumb sometimes. Dude, if you um, look at if you look at the like the the pitch chart, where, like where he threw his pitches, like the center square, the the down the middle square, yes. is is like empty. He didn't throw like a single pitch down the middle, and it's just infuriating. It's like, come on, you okay, did. Well, yeah, he located his pitches exceptionally well. Is what that is what that means. So he didn't make any mistakes. Um, he also it was also against Minnesota. Minnesota, as of late, has been a very 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 strikeout prone team. Like I'm, I think they probably have one of the highest strikeout rates as a team in the entire league over the past month. Um, but 
yeah, he did locate his pitch as well, uh, and that's where you're going to see him be successful. He's not going to overpower people by any means. Uh, he does see the Guardians next, which is probably a fine stream. Um, yeah, he, he got six whiffs on a 90-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah. He just elevated it well. That's he did. He, he located to. well. You know, curveballs down, fastballs up. Like, his zone rate was really low, but it's a little bit deceiving because so many of his pitches were, like, just outside the zone, which are yeah. enticing pitches to swing at. Exactly. Uh, all right, let's go to Miami. Oh, yeah. Let's go to Miami, and I... Uh, Brian Hoeing. Results have been good. Incredible. I just... Vargas rule it. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much it. Like, I really don't see anything here that's gonna make that makes me think. Yes, this is sustainable. And also, like, I mean, he's making his fourth or fifth start. I can't remember which of the season against uh, Atlanta today. I'm not. I, I I wouldn't do that. Oh, absolutely not. No way. Um, not, not even with the Vargas rule. Like, like maybe maybe in a favorable situation. I think. Like, I think I looked at it on Baseball Savant, and he's got like a. Like, I think. Atlanta has like a 415 X Woba against Hoeing as a collective in their careers. That this was pointed out to me by a friend of mine uh, because I kept using the term Toby without explaining what it is. For for those who are unaware, the Vargas rule is named for one Jason Vargas, who was a uh, a pretty mediocre pitcher for a really long time, and he had one stretch in I want to say it was like 2018 where he was just like unstoppable for like two months. And yeah. uh, th- thanks to that incredible run, we now call it uh, a Vargas rule when a very clearly mid pitcher uh, decides to just be really good for a while. Like th- think like Martin Perez last year. Yeah, that's basically like, what this is for me. It's going to end eventually. It's just a matter of when. And uh, on the on the other side of things in Miami, Garrett Cooper has very low key been hitting 289 for june with five home runs and 16 rbi which for a corner infielder will absolutely play uh you you know longtime listeners will know i'm a very big garrett cooper guy i've recently added him back to a couple of my teams after previously dropping him after his miserable miserable may uh so yeah i i'm back on the garrett cooper bandwagon i i think he's gonna go back to what he usually is which is like a a 280 hitter with decent power dig it love it uh all right let's go to your beloved new york mats you get to talk about another one here both and, beloved is doing a lot of work well there's a reason you stick around <laughs> it's like stockholm syndrome something like that uh david peterson so the line was good he 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 came up for for a spot start, probably a spot start, and uh, he he pitched well. But I don't think I can, in good conscience, recommend adding Peterson. He was a one pitch pitcher when he was good, and he no longer is really throwing that one pitch. The slider is the only thing that made him good in the past, and it was his fourth most thrown offering in this past start. And he did throw a couple of nasty sliders, which is encouraging. I, I would like to see more than a couple, but I don't really buy sustained success out of peterson without his slider he did like the interesting thing about this start is that he got 81 percent ground balls and the only fly ball that he allowed was an infield fly which is basically an automatic out do i think that he can suddenly turn into brandon webb no 
probably not. I don't think he can get, you know, 60 plus percent ground balls going forward. But it it was something worth mentioning. It it looks like there is a reworked approach going on here. I I worry that that means that he's giving up on the slider at least temporarily, but I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not adding him anywhere even even though I am a homer. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat on that one. Um, all right, let's go to the Phillies uh, and talk about Brandon Marsh real quick, Schwebs. Yeah, he's currently doing the Garrett Mitchell thing where he strikes out way too much, but he's putting up a good batting average with a sky-high BABIP. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really buying it. Also, he, he just he he looks kind of icky, so I'm I'm not really I'm not adding Brandon Marsh anywhere. I I like I like Swamp Thing personally. Um. It's fine. I mean, we I, I've expressed a love on this podcast before of a player whose last name describes them, and he does look like he has just stepped out of a marsh. So that is kind of fun. He looks but, more like a Dave Swamp to me. <laughs> anyway, my name, my name is Swamp T Hing. My name is Richard Bog, dude. <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right, let's David, go to the, David S Swamp. <laughs> David S Swamp. Uh. What about the Washington? We get a few names for the Washington Nationals. Uh, I would As say, usual. Uh, Jamer Candelario. Uh, he's in the midst of a six-game hitting streak. He's an eight-game on-base streak. Uh, he's hit a couple of home runs in that time. He's on pace for like 160 runs plus RBIs this season. We're like literally at the halfway point in the season after today's games. Uh, 260 average. Like That's going to play in most leagues, not just deep leagues. Yeah, no. I I have really enjoyed... Candelario's contributions to my TGFBI squad after re- re-adding him, I think, a couple of weeks ago. I forget yes. if I had him previously. I think you did for a bit and then dropped him for you. maybe... I think it was someone who got called up. I can't remember. Maybe, but, but yeah. Uh, CJ Abrams has been a, a weird one for me this year. I want him to be good. I want to like him. But... Man, for 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 the June in its entirety, he has a two twenty five batting average, and it's he's he's not producing enough elsewhere to be that kind of batting average sink. You know, he's not walking. He's still striking out too much. The last couple of weeks have seen a little bit of uh, it's it's got it's all Babbitt inflated though. I think I'm still out on C.J. Abrams. Is what I'm getting at here. There's not enough product. There's not enough speed. There's not enough power. And the batting average is still BABIP reliant. So I'm I'm still out on CJ Abrams, even though it has been a solid couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm probably out on him as well. Um what about Luis Garcia? Yeah, in stark contrast to CJ Abrams, the batting average for Luis Garcia is constant and consistent. So I'm I'm a big fan of Luis Garcia as a middle infield batting average anchor. As we say literally every week on this podcast i was gonna say death taxes luis garcia as a batting average floor mm-hmm. um and then uh hunter harvey someone that we've previously mentioned liking a decent amount he's got closer he's got closer three, hunter harvey three saves in his last five outings which is a very good bounce back from like i mean he had like a non-save situation against the cardinals where he gave up two runs in like what was essentially garbage time uh has looked pretty decent lately the strikeout numbers haven't really been there as much um oh am i wait actually am i conflating that and when i was looking at um matt brash he's got a 28 percent strikeout rate on the year it's decent i'm just thinking of like lately though i can't remember anyways mm. he's been good 
regardless, three saves is something that you're absolutely going to take um, in like the past week and change. Uh, I know that I've been digging for them, but yeah, Kyle so Finnegan's Harvey, very good. Kyle Finnegan's last save was on May 27th. So pretty clearly that there is a favorite there now, and it is Hunter Harvey. Finally, after us talking about him as a potential person to look at in the preseason, I think. Oh yeah, I've been talking about training. him for months now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to the NL Central now, uh, and the Cubs. Schwabzi, talk about Kyle Hendricks. He's just doing Kyle Hendricks things. There's not a whole lot to say here. Like he's throwing his changeup as his primary pitch. He's putting up regular like 30 CSW starts in, in spite of getting very few whiffs. I'm thinking he's back. Yeah, I'm thinking he's yeah. back. <laughs> maybe the most un-John Wick-like player in baseball is Kyle Hendricks so perfect time to drop that <laughs> reference uh, just don't expect strikeouts he it's, is, like, it's like if John Wick was an accountant instead of a assassin that would be the most boring movie in the history of movies <laughs> just, that's, just that's, a hotel full of accountants dude a Kyle Hendricks start is one of the most boring movies in existence that's, that's but he's true. been good but he's been that's good. true what you're hoping for here is ratios and wins and quality starts. He's already turned out three wins in seven starts. The ratios have been fantastic. The strikeouts are a career low, and that's a that's a career where the strikeouts were already low. So yeah, uh, you're not looking for strikeouts here, but he has been good. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of the coin, there's Hayden Wesneski. He seems to just be like a bulk relief, uh, maybe like spot start guy as of now so i'm not really sure i'm interested in him unless the strikeouts are abundant at and at this point they're not so i think i'm probably just passing on him um maybe yeah. a stream here or there if it's like a very favorable one but i don't think it's worth really like hanging on to him or anything like that he's gonna float around on waiver wires for a while unless he makes a big change so uh and then schwebzy someone that i don't know if we talked about last week maybe in uh, passing mike talkman Talkman has been quietly starting every game versus righties for the Cubs since May 21st. Were you aware of that? I knew that he was playing a decent amount. I did not realize that he was like yeah. the the uh, lefty platoon bat. Right. Six weeks every day. Every every, every righty he's in there. Damn. Uh, and during that time since May 21st, he has been getting on base at a 370 clip. And... Lately, he's been hitting leadoff on top of starting every game. So, I mean, walking at an elite rate and scoring enough runs to be a strong two-category contributor while not being a zero across the other three categories, like, that's a that's a solid glue guy. We, That's the kind of guy we love around here, and yet I, I, I've been burned by Talkman so many times that I find it hard to buy in, but he's been legitimately good for the last, like, six weeks or so. Yeah, he's been pretty solid. Um, I just, I've, I've, I've just been personally hurt too many times to, to add him to teams, but he has been, he has been worth an add. Heck yeah. Um, all right, and then Nick Madrigal. I think for me, the batting average boost is nice. He's hitting like two ninety or something along those lines over the past few weeks. Uh, he's been starting pretty regularly at third base. That's really all you're getting here. The counting stats are going to be pretty minimal because of his spot in the order, and also like. While the Cubs' offense has been okay, they're not great. Um, 
like if you're going to take a third baseman that's on the wire, I'd much rather have Chamber Candelario here. Like that's where I'm at. But if you're looking for a guy who's like a nice uh, batting average anchor, uh, Madrigal could be much, much worse. Um, so I do like that a decent amount in that regard. Uh, all right, what about uh, Cincinnati and Will Benson, Schwabzi? Dude, I'm so excited. I just saw my wife pull up with the Taco Bell. Ooh. 20 minutes from now, I'm going to be gorging myself on Buckingham my man, Tacos. My man, is, my man is about to just speed run through the rest of these write-ups. It's going to be great. All right, get it going. Hey, what For the month of June, what do you think Will Benson's WRC Plus is? Uh, he's been good. Has he been playing regularly even after all these guys, like with, like with Votto being back and like... It's 71 plate appearances. Okay. Um, huh. One... 32 190 oh okay well he's been unreal in june i keep on i I keep on brushing him off because of the platoon situation and jake fraley's return but he's been playing left field while jake fraley plays right field uh and the it's a little bit of a crowded team right now there is one player too many Mm -hmm. but the second someone like fraley or I don't know, Steer or Senzel, if anyone gets hurt or misses any time, suddenly I'm way more interested in Benson. Benson's slash line for June is 351, 479 for the OBP, and a 614 slug. He's been, dude, he has a 20% walk rate for June. He's been legitimately, like, incredible. It's three home runs, five walks, uh, sorry, five stolen bases, 20 runs in RBI. Like he's been unreal in June, and I I don't think I can like just brush it off anymore. Like if I'm so excited about Jose Siri week after week, I kind of have to be excited about this, right? Because it's like better, even it's better. It's better. It's better. Yeah, because he he takes a walk and he doesn't strike yeah. out as much. Like I, I mean, Damn. he has played the last few opportunities against righties. But I mean, th- this is one of those players we talk about them all the time. Guys who have platoon roles and not everyday playing time. He demands being in the lineup right now. You just have to pay attention. You have to bench him against lefties, and you even have to. You know, I- I'm a nighttime lineup setter, so he's not really for me. But you have to be. Yeah, you know, you have to check those lineups at noon to see if he's in there, even against mm-hmm. righties. Love it. Uh yeah, I think Benson's pretty great. It'd be interesting to see if he actually gets like regular playing time. Obviously, that's a pretty unsustainable pace to keep. But even with some regression, like what is his Babbitt during that time? Four fifteen, very high. So it's high. So it's a little but bit. Hit, but he's hitting three fifty one. Yes. You know, take a hundred points off that Babbitt, he's still hitting. You know what? Two eighty, two ninety. Yeah, he's been legitimately really good. It's it's this is not just luck. Even with regression in the batting average and the walk rate, he was like, he, he's still a very solid. he is a very loud tools kind of player, um, and he was interesting to start the season. the The playing time was always going to be a question, and the strikeout rate was a question. Yeah, but for the season, he's got a twenty six percent strikeout rate and a fourteen percent walk rate. Like that is that will play. Oh, a hundred percent. And he's gotten better as the season has gone along, which is also encouraging for a 25-year-old getting his first uh, real major league run. True. Yes. Uh, 
yeah definitely into will benson uh gosh i wonder if he's available in my tgfbi league i wouldn't mind having him on on retainer essentially mm-hmm. hoping that he gets more playing time but uh let's go to milwaukee and joey weimer i'm gonna talk about joey weimer again i mean the k rates are still like north of 30 percent, not great but that being said in the month of june he has taken more walks he's actually walking at a rate north of 10 percent in june which is an encouraging development uh as opposed to like in may he had like a 3.4 percent walk rate something like that um and the counting stats obviously the home runs and stolen bases are going to be there he's a power speed threat um things are trending in a better direction for weimer i'm hesitant in some regards obviously because the average isn't necessarily going to be great but i do still like joey weimer because the playing time's there and the power speed combo is very attractive um Let's go to Pittsburgh uh, and Trebzy. Let's talk about Johan Oviedo. I cannot quit Oviedo. It's been well established at this point. Uh, I, I'm 100% running him out there uh, today. I say today, meaning Saturday when this releases against Milwaukee and probably his next start against the Dodgers because I personally am a sicko. Uh, it hasn't been the most difficult of schedules, but he has put up a 2.96 ERA since May 12th with nearly a strikeout per inning. Although I would avoid that Dodgers start if you're in a head-to-head matchup and the ratios are kind of up in the air. Mm. Uh, I, I it depends on how risk averse you are. I, I personally, I, I'm uh, in head-to-head matchups. I, I frequently go with the YOLO approach and just start everybody. But again, that's because I'm a sicko. Every week is a fresh start. It's fine. Yeah, I I love head-to-head weeks. They're so low pressure. Yeah. Uh, all right. What about Paul DeYoung for the Cardinals, Schwabs? At, at some point, Paul DeYoung just became Chris Taylor. Like, if you're into a two twenty-five batting average with pop out of your shortstop spot, DeYoung might be your guy. But I don't really think at this point that there is upside beyond that anymore. And the downside is a giant crater where your batting average used to be. So I'm I'm kind of out on DeYoung personally, unless mm-hmm. I need a desperation injury fill-in. Totally fair. Uh, let's go to the NL West now, starting with Arizona. Uh, talk about Alec Thomas. So he's been the everyday center fielder since getting recalled from AAA. Um, in nine starts, he's hitting 297 with a dinger and a stolen base. He is mostly hitting near the bottom of the order, so the plate appearances will be a bit more limited, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, he's still worth a look if you need outfield depth, though. Um, has looked uh, pretty solid since being recalled. You know I'm an Alec Thomas guy. I hope he can turn yes. his season around. Uh, and then for pitchers, there's Dre Jameson, another top uh, Diamondbacks prospect who has been a little bit up and down this year. I've mentioned before how Jameson's best pitch is his slider and how his slider might play up in shorter stints. Well, he basically hasn't thrown his slider in his last two appearances covering five innings which is mm-hmm. weird really weird because we we frequently joke around here like oh I, if, I, if i wanted to be better i would simply throw my best pitch more jameson is taking the opposite approach and not throwing it at all maybe he just doesn't have a feel for it right now but his changeup has looked kind of nasty like he faced tampa bay who a really really strong lineup in his last appearance and struck out four over three scoreless innings so uh, maybe maybe he lost the feel for the slider and the changeup is picking up all the slack. But regardless, I do still really like Jameson as a couple times a week bulk reliever, like once or twice through the order kind of guy. He's he hasn't I, I you know he hasn't been great this year. No, like if you zoom out, but 
you know, I have him in my NL only league as kind of a ratio stabilizer, just a guy to get me a few innings a week. And you know, he's he's been fine in that role. Yeah, I can take him in that sort of role too, for sure. Um let's go to Colorado. Uh I put I feel like I poo-pooed uh Ezekiel Tovar and then he responded like by like okay, so he's been entrenched in that second spot in the order, so there's value because he's gonna get all of those plate appearances. He's on a 12-game hitting streak now, and it feels like it happened right after I poo-pooed him. <laughs> Dude, he just gets better every month. Yeah. Um, I will say that 12-game hitting streak is currently assisted by a 412 BABIP. Um, there's going to be some regression to be had there. Uh, he does need to work on not getting caught on the base paths, though. That's, like, one thing that I wish he would do. Because um, that's obviously, like, getting caught. Not only you're not getting the stolen bases, but you're not scoring the runs. You're just giving up free outs. Uh, he's only been successful in one of three steal attempts during that 12 game hitting streak so just like being better on the base paths help contribute to that upside uh for run scoring as well would be good uh but i don't know he's been like you said he's improved steadily throughout the season so there's got to be something to it um he's so young still yeah yeah he's, maybe he's 21 right yeah i mean maybe he's still more of a long-term dynasty keeper play but he's he's been oh for sure you know, He's been worth rostering the last like month or so. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to the Giants. We get a few names to cover here. Uh, Shrubsy, kick it off with Luis Matos. Yeah, this twenty-one-year-old has. He's definitely done some interesting things. He's walking and striking out at the same rate, and it's like ten percent, which is dope. Like striking out that little and walking that much as a twenty-one-year-old. I'm just not sure if at this stage he is going to impact the ball hard enough and often enough to be anything other than a contact obp guy yeah it has its value in certain arenas but like a roto league eh? i yeah. don't know like an obp league sure but just a regular old like traditional roto league with average i don't i don't know um again this is uh, similar to tovar probably more of like a dynasty obviously play um but Oh, but another per- okay. So a rookie for the Giants that has been just kind of absurd, Patrick Bailey. Um, he's locked in as like the everyday catcher for San Francisco. He even got a day at DH yesterday, so they're putting him in the DH spot, so he gets more at bats, which is always awesome. Um, means more potential no. ABs moving forward. Nine out of ten starts for him, and fourteen out of sixteen. Yeah, which, which is, is awesome. Silly, for a catcher. silly playing time for a catcher. Yeah, yeah, super huge. He just continues to hit. Like, I mean. It's got like a three thirteen average, something like that. Uh, he had two more hits yesterday when he did DH. Yeah, so he's been excellent so far. Uh, Schwabzi, what about Mike Yastrzemski? He is due back from his hamstring injury any day now, I believe. And he was hitting pretty well before he went on the shelf. So if you're in need of an outfielder and someone dropped him, or or you dropped him uh he he's about ready to be uh to be re-added i think dig it uh and then alex wood had a really excellent start against the blue jays he had five scoreless innings with seven strikeouts um in toronto no less sorry toronto i apologize to our toronto listeners for pronouncing the second t um that's specifically for you justin havelock um but wood's home road splits are absolutely crazy this year like he's got a 164 road era and his era at home is 7.59 Jeez, he's gotten blown up at home so i don't know i mean i don't know if there's really anything to that um but 
it's just certainly an interesting thing to point out. Um, but as, as we all know, like I have a soft spot in my heart for Alex Wood. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he could be a good streamer for you in certain arenas. Um, notably not Oracle park. Um, yeah, let's go to the AL in the AL East, starting with Baltimore and Aaron Hicks. So even with Jordan Westberg's call up and Cedric Mullins return from the IL, Hicks has been in the lineup for the last three games for the Orioles. They seem to want to find him at bats, even though he slowed down a bit, which is good enough for me. Honestly, I think he's still worth hanging on to for a bit to see how that playing time shakes out. Um, like Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias have both sat a bit more over the past few days with Westberg's call up. So I'm curious to see what happens there across the board. There's lots of implications for deep leagues. Um, but yeah, uh, Shrubsy, what about Ryan O'Hearn? So just for for the, the sake of covering everything, Hicks is sitting today. He is sitting today. Okay. And and that's that's after starting like basically every game since he came over. He, he's only sat like three other times since he uh, came to Baltimore. So okay. let's let's hope this is just a routine day off and not the start of a more inconsistent playing time. And uh, speaking of that hope, uh, Ryan O'Hearn. If you want to hear way too many words about Ryan O'Hearn, please refer to last week's deep dive where I, I said, you know, more words than anyone ever wants to hear about Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, since I talked about him, he has hit 125, which is always fun. Uh, but really, we are mainly worried about what's going to happen to his playing time once Ryan Mountcastle comes back. Uh the I, I think the best case scenario for Ryan O'Hearn right now is him being the strong side platoon for uh, of a uh, first base platoon, but at, like that would still leave him with enough playing time for him to be interesting. But it, it remains to be seen how that's going to shake out. Fair enough. Uh, let's go to Boston. Uh, the only person I have down here is Jaron Duran. Um, playing time lately has taken a nosedive. Um, I'm just probably steering clear just because it's so inconsistent until that situation improves. He's not worth rostering, I don't think, unless the playing time is there. Um, uh, and then for the Yankees, uh, Shrubs, you have Johnny Brito. So in his in his write-up of Brito, uh, Nicholas Peter Pollock called him a coin flip, and I think that's about right. I'm not really buying Brito going forward. I, I don't think he's going to have a long-term role. I don't and I, I don't think he's going to be anything special in, in the starts he does get. Fair enough. All right, let's go to the Rays then, and Jose Siri, uh, a, a favorite of Schwebzi's. Before he sat yesterday, uh, yesterday being Thursday, he had started seven straight games, which was a career high for, for playing time for him. And in those seven games, he hit three home runs. You know the deal with him by now. When he's starting, play him. Simple as that. Uh, and then kind of a similar thing, Manuel Margot. The playing time is far more sporadic than uh, Jose Series has been lately. Um, if you have a, dial uh, a, daily, a daily moves league, uh, then maybe he's worth hanging on to if the benches are deep enough uh, as like a stream when he's actually in the lineup. But it's just too sporadic. Like putting him into a league where you have weekly lineups is just so painful because you don't know if he's going to get five starts or if he's going to get three. So... I would just probably fade that uh, for now. But the batting average floor, I think, is there for him, and he's been better in that department as of late. Um, let's go to the AL Central and start with the Chicago White Sox and someone who led off 
I think, last night. Yeah, the White Sox. Uh, that's that's literally the entire reason that we're even talking about him today is because I was looking at box scores and I saw this name that I did not recognize hitting leadoff for the uh, for the White Sox. He is currently fighting the corpse of Elvis Andrus for second base playing time, and he he hit leadoff and he's been like legitimately good for the last two weeks. He's hitting like four hundred with I think five or six steals. Um, did we actually say Zach Remyard's name? I don't I don't know. Maybe Zach Remyard. Think- Yes, I don't think are we actually we, said who we, we were saying, talking. I don't. I don't think we said who we were talking about. You, you might be when we right. introduced him. So that's what we're talking about. For those who are unaware, and you might still not know who he is, which is fair because I didn't either until I saw his name in the leadoff spot last night. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, and and we we are saying that wrong. It's Rem Remillard. Is it Remillard? Dang Remillard. I saw the double it's, L, and I I really committed. Yeah, I thought it, it could Sorry, have been Zach. French. It, it could have been French. Uh, I I I don't know what to do with this, honestly, because he, for now. he he's a 29 year old getting his first taste of the majors. Yeah, I'm I'm probably passing on this. Same, but I mean, I, I guess it's it's a decent uh if you need a stolen base play. Sure, yeah, I could see that. I mean, if he keeps leading off, then obviously it becomes immensely interesting. But yeah, I I, I think. He needs know. to like he needs to like get more like rest more playing time from Elvis Andrus before he becomes interesting for me. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's go to a team that has many more interesting players. Detroit. Uh, and start with Matt uh, Matt Veerling. Dude, I I mean, longtime listeners know I love Matt Veerling. Uh, he's casually hitting three ninety five with a fourteen percent walk rate in June and only a sixteen percent strikeout rate. That will play. Uh. I wrote him up in the offseason. It's it's just been a matter of staying on the field for him this year. The tools are very loud, and the plate discipline is a lot better than you normally see for people like we consider like a toolsy work in progress. Uh, he's already matched his career high, his actually his career total for dingers off of breaking pitches this year. So he's <laughs> hitting, he's hitting breaking pitches better than ever. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I, I love this. It, I, it's just a shame he hits in such a garbage ballpark for hitters. Truly. And I don't want to misconstrue that as saying it's a garbage ballpark because I went to Comerica and it was way nicer than I expected it to be. Heck yeah. It actually did pretty, there. pretty Yeah, it did pretty well on my ballpark rankings. Nice. Once you actually visit uh, a bunch of stadiums, you should, you should actually write it out somewhere. I, I ha- I've been keeping track, sort of. Yeah. Nice. Uh, all right, let's go to Spencer Torkelson. Uh, he just had a really, really good series against the Rangers. He had three home runs, four runs, and five RBI. Uh, he's entrenched in that second spot in the lineup, so the volume and plate appearances are obviously valuable. Uh, he's got a 203 BABIP this month. He, he's kind of habitually unlucky. Yes, which at a certain point habitually turns into just, it's, it can't even really be like unlucky anymore, right? Yeah, at some point it's just part of who he is. Yeah, so I'm curious to see if there's going to be any improvement there. Um, but good series against the Rangers. Maybe that'll be a nice jump start for him. He can get into a good groove here going into the month of July. Um, and then Kerry Carpenter Schwebs. The number one most exciting thing about Kerry Carpenter coming into the, this year was his barrel rate. And he's actually improved it this year while also upping his hard hit rate and average exit velo by huge amounts. And he's even improved his K rate by a couple of ticks, which, you know, those things don't always go hand in hand. Could be a nice stretch coming for him. 
similar to Veerling and Torkelson, it is a shame that the ballpark stinks to hit in. Really? Um, gosh, yeah. Uh, Andy Abanez, though, uh, he's hit 301 in June. He's been in the third spot in three of the last four games that he has started. He's also got second base, third base, and outfield eligibility, depending on your leagues. Uh, that's absolutely sick. Like middle infield, corner infield, and outfield eligibility is awesome. Uh, he plays all over the place. He's also played a few games at first base. So there's a potential that he could get eligibility there in other leagues uh, as well. So I don't know. There's a lot to like about Andy Ibanez. He's looked really, see you, really good. See you later, Torque. It's Andy Ibanez season. Hey, just saying. Uh, I mean, arguably, it's better to be a slap hitter than it is a uh, power hitter in Comerica. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the subject of a very good piece of trivia that Trubsy posted that people were just drowning trying to answer in the Pitcherlist Discord server. Uh, the answer being Jake Rogers, who is doing his best uh, what impression, Trubs? I, I posted side by side Jake Rogers' stat line and Joey Gallo's stat line, and they are so close. They're like Jake Rogers is doing a really strong Joey Gallo impersonation this year. Like really, I I maybe I should post this to Twitter so people can uh, see it for themselves. But I think I think you should. That seems yeah, like a good it, idea. I I don't. Basically, if you if you need home runs out of your catcher spot, like Jake Rogers is a solid play this year, even with what we just said about home runs being hard to come by in Comerica. Rogers has just been like, I I guess selling out for power because he's never really done this to this extent before. Yeah, it's kind of great. Um. All right, let's go to Kansas City. Uh, Drew Waters, Schwabzi. Let's start with him. Waters is like the bargain bin, Jose Siri. Um, I don't really, I don't really think you'll catch me adding Waters in any leagues this year because he's uh, he's enough of a step down from Siri that the inconsistency and the the wild strikeout rates become uh, t- too big of a wart to ignore. Yeah, fair enough. Um... Yeah, not particularly interested in Waters myself either, so I'm probably going to pass on that too. Yeah, and plus, he does—he doesn't have the—he—he uh, he has a terrible ballpark to hit in as well, and mm-hmm. he doesn't have the Tampa Bay lineup surrounding him. Correct. Um, all right. The one person I want to cover for the Royals was Daniel Lynch. Uh, he's had a pretty decent ERA over the past few weeks through 20 innings, but he's also only got seven strikeouts over those 20 innings. That is not something that particularly interests me, especially considering he is running a BABIP of 150. Over his last three starts, he's getting very, very lucky. Um, he's likely to regress in a very not fun direction. I, 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 I don't think I am interested in Daniel Lynch in any capacity. I think that's the right call. Yeah. Uh, all right. And let's finish up the AL Central with Minnesota and talk about Kenta Maeda. He's had two solid outings coming back from his triceps injury. He's given up two runs over 10 innings pitched between two starts. Um, he lines up to get the Royals, who are cheeks in his next outing so it's probably a good stream to nab him there uh before he faces better lineups in both the orioles and mariners so i'm fine with him as a streamer for his next start and then probably sending him back to the wire uh for his next two starts after that um yeah and then going to the al west to wrap things up let's talk about houston uh yaner diaz He's had tons of at-bats over the past few weeks at catcher and dh he's hitting 313 with just a 323 babip uh, and a 149 WRC plus in June. He's getting kind of unlucky Babbitt wise based off of what his average is. So, I mean, that's kind of great. Um, he's been fantastic. Yeah. And then 
Chaz McCormick, I mean, I, I've talked about him enough times. I, I think he is a solid across the board contributor. I don't think he's great at any one thing, but he does enough in a solid ballpark for righties that I, I, I think he's generally worth rostering in five outfielder leagues. Uh, you know, be, being in the Houston lineup with a great defense most days and, and contributing in home runs and steals. I, I think he's I think he's fine. I just think he's neat. Dig it. All right. Uh and then going to the Angels and Mickey Moniak. Uh he's hit leadoff in his last three starts. So uh he hasn't been playing every day, but despite that, he's got ample counting stats. Uh in June as an outfielder. He should be kind of a decent grab in like daily lineup leagues. I don't think he's been too bad. And like obviously if he's leading off in that lineup, he's got Trout and Otani right behind him, and Otani's been out of this world good. Same with Hunter Renfro, who's also been awesome lately. Um, I think I'm pretty happy with having the leadoff hitter in that lineup, regardless of who it is on my team. Probably a good opportunity to score a decent amount of runs. So definitely digging that. Uh, let's go to Oakland. And Shribsy, you want to talk about Tony Kemp? Dude, Tony Kemp has a 3.4% strikeout rate in June. 3.4%. He, he, he is... He has unfortunately also ran into some atrocious Babbitt luck, so he is only hitting 255 for the month. But that 255 batting average comes with a 386 OBP, two home runs and three steals, along with 12 runs. I'm not mentioning his RBI total because it's the same as his home run total. <laughs> Which means no one on. He, he has not knocked in a single base runner that is not himself this month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, folks if we if you're not aware at this point the oakland A's are very bad and if you're not aware at this point rbis are largely a team context stat uh tony kemp has started 12 of 13 games out of see after seeing a lot of bench a few weeks ago but this is a this is a hot streak worth writing he's been a four category contributor with and has a 422 obp over the last two weeks Plus, I love to, uh, I, and I just love laughing at the uh, that stupid RBI and home run stat because the A's are just an embarrassing team. God, imagine getting, imagine getting no hit, a uh, perfect gamed by the <laughs> Bingo Herman. Just an embarrassing franchise. Terrible. <sighs> but yeah, uh, and then as for pitchers, Paul Blackburn's strikeout rate continues to be up. His walk rate is down, not by that much, but still in a positive direction. And we're still generally seeing really good things out of Blackburn's kitchen sink approach. I think Blackburn still has a strong second half in store as a as a really solid Toby or or just a uh, solid streamer. Absolutely dig that. Uh, and then GP Sears, uh, his slider looked really really good. Obviously, he was on the opposite side of that uh, perfect game. Um, his slider looked fantastic. He had like a forty five percent CSW, like eight whiffs on it. Looked great. Uh, changeup did not fastball wasn't located super well either um that said he does get the tigers next uh and his strikeout numbers have been pretty decent so i think if you need a stream and you're looking for some strikeouts that might not be a bad place to look um so i'd be down for that uh going to seattle uh matt brash nine straight scoreless outings he's got a k per nine on the year of over 16 uh he's not really going to give you many saber holds but he is absolutely disgusting and has value if you need just like filler for your relief pitcher spots. Like just a better the ratios of, are elite. A better version of Dre Jameson, like Correct. I mentioned earlier. Yes, he he is the not the non bargain bin 
Dre Jameson. The, the, the rich man's Dre Jameson. Matt Brash is Kirkland brand. Uh, Dre Jameson is Alder the, brand. The bougie, the bougie Dre Jameson. Correct. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up with Texas and Josh Spores. Is that how you say that? Maybe. God, I S- feel so bad. S-B-O-R-Z. Josh Spores. Spores. Anyways, uh, Schwabzee. And uh, this is just so that the, uh, the, the save holds people out there can't say that we, uh, we neglect them. Spores has been incredible lately as the Rangers' eighth inning guy, and he has a casual 36% strikeout rate on the year. Uh, yeah, no, that, that plays. And if he happens to be still out there in your holds leagues, or even if you just need a ratio stabilizer with some strikeouts, Spores is a, is a really good play. He's the, yeah, he's, he's been a really great setup guy for the Rangers. It is literally Spores. Nice. Nailed it. We got it. Uh, the, the rare, the rare time when we, when we YOLO and Eamon are actually correct. Shocking. Uh, blind squirrel finds a nut, broken clock, all that stuff. Uh, all right, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode of In the Deep. Thank you all for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we have a shared podcast account that you can catch us at. That's going to be at In the Deep PL. You can also follow us individually at Schwebzy for Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I. And then myself at Bunt Singles. And then we will be back with another episode very soon. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Bye.